0: the fire store equipping protectors with passion every decision the fire store makes as a company is about its customers as the holiday season has quickly approached explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the fire store's gift center find the perfect presence for firefighters emts and first responders today the fire store's goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford Visit the firestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more.
1: Welcome to 5 after midnight. It's a new show where we talk about the things the way you would around a sleep-deprived kitchen table when you've run 5 or more calls after midnight. Your brain feels half gone and you and your crew have absolutely no filter. Just pure honesty. The goal of this series is to kick around the small things that really aren't so small and have a big impact in the way our firehouses function. My name is Stephanie. I'm genuinely not an expert at anything. I'm just here to ask the sometimes awkward questions. Enjoy.
2: Today, you'll recognize her voice because the guest is person who's become a good friend of the show and who on a very short notice agreed to meet with me and talk about an article that she recently published i'm just going to read you an excerpt from the article because i think it hits so hard for each one of us and that's exactly what we do with the painful reality of suicides it becomes a natural form of death for us we eventually place it on the same shelf as passing away from a heart attack or a stroke. It's a simple way to take the heartbreak out of it. We normalize it, and we accidentally become one step more comfortable with it. Chances are we've all lost someone in our department to it. Today, to talk about mental health and firefighter suicide on this September, the Suicide Awareness Month, the wonderful Stephanie White. Stephanie, thank you for joining
1: Thanks for having me. I like uh, I liked your intro. It was the same as last time I came on the show.
2: No, it wasn't.
1: It, it was, but that's okay. Oh, man. I'm going to write you a different one for each time you have me on.
2: I mean, I can... What else can we talk about? We could talk about... All right, let's rewind. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a, a fellow podcast host who runs the Five After Midnight podcast, who is a published author for Fire Engineering and who happily tackles all of the topics that we often find taboo in the fire service. Hi. Hi. Stephanie, welcome.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me. Of
2: course. Thank you for doing this on such short notice. Of course. So today I wanna pick your brain about an article that you wrote for Fire Engineering back in June called Firefighter Suicide don't normalize it. And I think it's fitting that we talk about it on the month of September, which is Suicide Awareness Month, because that is one of those ailments, one of those illnesses, I guess we can call it that, that's taken out firefighters way more than we want to admit. And just like we deal with cancer, just like we deal with line of duty deaths, this is something that we need to get in front of and we need to, we just need to make our people aware of it and, and make them aware of the path that can lead them there and make them aware of the resources that are there to help them walk away from that path and how to continue doing our job without straying down that path. Hmm. What, um, what led you to write this article?
1: Just... Being in the fire service for um for twenty years, I've unfortunately seen it happen outside of my department and, and inside my own department as well. And just seeing how it's been handled by those around me, be it coworkers, be it the administration. And the article you're talking about in particular actually talks about we'll get into into it more, but the premise of it is that we're around suicide so much that it we just become numb to it. So it becomes another death option for us. We lose the shock to it that a civilian would have, that anybody, you know, other people in this world don't see that aftermath of suicide unless they have had a family commit suicide and they've been right there for it. We are a very unique subset of the population that sees it up close and sees the immediate aftermath. And we become comfortable with this horrific way of dying and the chaos of the scene. And I had never heard that talked about before. And so that's something I really wanted to bring to light is, do we lose so many firefighters a year to suicide? because we consider it a normal way of dying compared to the rest of the population. That's a... Um,
2: I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that just as we normalize every other chaotic and heartbreaking scene that we deal with, that we start getting desensitized to it. And we don't really... that it's. When I started this, when I started volunteering at 18, like most of us did, we got the old talk like, hey man, you don't have to take this stuff away to you, just uh, like, talk to somebody if you need help.
1: Leave it at the door.
2: <laughs> right, or leave it at the door. Or let's let's go do shots about it, which I shouldn't have been doing as an 18-year-old. But uh, fast forward to the first suicide call, and I don't want to keep reliving those, but I think I speak for all of us when I say the imagery gets embedded into our psyche and you can almost feel the energy and, and the vibe just be so much darker when you walk into that scene. And there's no real way of talking to somebody about it. There's no, it's just, it's just one of those things that you just kind of walk away and the next time you experience it you're like okay I've been here before and then the more and more you deal with it's just just another day that he showed up to a call
1: I think so we go to a car accident we go to a fire when we go to these of all the unnatural disasters we see natural and natural disasters these are things that nobody had any control over they just happened to them. We're barely allowed to be affected by that as it is. But when we are, it's a little more acceptable. Because these are tragedies. Nobody elected to have this happen to them. I think when we walk on scene of a suicide, everyone's attitude is, well, they they did this to themselves. This is a choice they made. And so when we are affected by that, we feel I don't want to use this word on your show. We feel we we definitely feel like a total pussy, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're like, oh man, you know, this person decided to do this. This was their own control. Why do I feel bad about this? Well, you feel bad about this because a human being just lost their life in a very sad, chaotic, and desperate way. You should feel bad about this. And that's part of the problem, is we've set up this environment of whatever this is their choice, this is normal. We forget the entire catalog of events that led up to this person choosing this devastating choice, and I think that's something else, and I, I didn't address that in the article that we need to change is it is okay to feel absolutely horrible and to be affected by that loss of life, that tragic loss of life, whether it be a car accident, a house fire or suicide. it is still a loss of life, even if it was their choice.
2: And I think you have to check in and make sure you are still feeling sad about those things because that shows that you still have that humanity. Mm -hmm. I, I feel, and this is personally that a red flag and alarm bells would start going off if I walk away from a suicide, again, a very dark scene, a very, you can tell, you can see all the signs. So sometimes they put up pictures of their family members. Sometimes you see that they have empty bottles of liquor next to them. Or they might have a journal or the note. Or you just see like the implements that are left behind. And that's when you realize like a human being just like me with thoughts and dreams and aspirations and fears took this path. And I think if I ever got to the point that I saw all those signs and I didn't feel any empathy or any sort of sadness, that would be a big red flag to be like, homie, you need help. You need to figure something out. Right. Even more so than, let I me mean, call them bread and butter, but like bread and butter cars, car accidents and fires and things like that. I just, I don't know. Like I, when you show up to one of those scenes, it's, um, and I keep, I keep harping on it. It's, you, you can feel like the, the energy is just, it's so much different. It's so... Desperate. You use that word. It, it's very well, very well said. It's a very desperate situation. I'm also looking at an article that Forbes published back in March titled "Sounding the Alarm Firefighters Remain More Likely to Die by Suicide Than On Duty. Mm-hmm. Like, how are we getting to this point? Everything else is killing us, and then we're killing ourselves even at a higher rate than the cancer, the drug and alcohol overdoses, the fires, all of these things, like, we got to change this.
1: So, something that I, I think leads into it is the military, high rate of suicide as well. So, military, police, firefighters, we are the ones who see the chaos, and it's our job to mitigate the chaos. And one thing, we have high rates of cancer. When somebody beats cancer, you hear their inspirational story. It's not something they hide behind. It is something they share with other people fighting cancer. Hey, man, I want to give you some hope. Let me hand off a little bit of this hope. I did it. You're going to do it. You're going to be fine. When we silently battle suicide, you don't see as many people doing it you see some absolutely brave individuals stepping out there and talking about it and it makes us all squeamish and uncomfortable and because people see us being all squeamish and uncomfortable the rest of the suicide survivors don't speak out so just just the same as having that cancer battle people who are battling suicide aren't seeing that that hope story they aren't seeing that story of success, and I wonder what would our ratio be if we hear, because I think we would all be shocked, right? I think oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I think if we were to look at who has contemplated suicide, who has had a plan, um, who has sat there in the dark and been on the edge, I think, I think we would be in such shock to see how how it hits everybody. And how almost normal in our world those thoughts are. And how many people have been through that battle. We don't talk about it. Because there is such a stigma, such a fear of being labeled. Uh, We don't like to talk about the ooey-gooey, uncomfortable personal shit, right? Especially when it comes to mental health. So that hope is hidden. Stuck under a basket far away. It's very faint glow. And most people battling in the dark don't get to see that and they don't get to touch that. And they are left there to drown. Granted, there are resources that they can reach out and touch, but they don't have a story of hope that they can hold within them to say, this person did it, this person thought, so can I, I'm going to be okay. And that's missing.
2: And those are the people that we need to celebrate because like you said, we, that faint glow, we need to make that shine even brighter. And rewinding a little bit to what you said, that we would be shocked by the number of people that we are constantly around. I had a fellow firefighter reach out and said that he appreciated my listening to him a long time ago. Because that was around the time that he was considering ending it all. And I stopped and I'm like, that. I could, I didn't see it like I could I would have been one of those people saying like I didn't see this coming. Right. Because it, everything else with this man seemed okay. Everything seemed just as normal as could be and then getting to the point that many many moons later it's like, "Hey bro, by the way, I appreciate you because I almost did something crazy and um and you have no idea how much talking to you meant to me and I'm like, "Oh my god. I had no idea."
1: So one of the things we also don't talk about And I discussed it a little bit in an article I wrote in in June is that so many of us already have that plan Mm -hmm. because we're, this is so morbid, but we see so many various methods of suicide and certain things just stick in our mind. And I think without knowing it, all of us know how to commit suicide and how we probably would commit suicide. So we are already way ahead of the line. Like a normal citizen has to sit down and say, how am I going to lose my life? Right? How am I going to die by suicide? And they have to become comfortable with that entire plan. We're already right there.
2: We fast forwarded We
1: accidentally have a plan and we're already comfortable with that concept. So we're at the front of the line when it comes to suicide as an option. So... Let's say life gets dark. Boom. We're already right there on the ledge whether we like it or not. Um suicide is very time sensitive. And I just wrote another article. Um it's getting published later in the month on this this part of the equation. It's time sensitive. So when you get in that rut, think think of any emotion. Think of joy, think of pain, think of fear depression, whatever. It does not last. Especially that that dark spell, that sudden, intense, dark spell, sudden, intense joy. Intensities. They don't last. Good or bad. So when we're in that moment of contemplating suicide, there's there's a time frame for it. It is going to dissipate. That is another thing we don't talk about, is these feelings of desperation, they're going to go away. They're going to come back. Potentially, we got to fix the underlying problem, right? But you have a time period where if appropriate actions are done, you are going to make it. There is hope. And the article really focuses on having what's called a suicide safety plan. Again, something you don't hear much about outside of the mental health world. And I, I mentioned in that article, I think every officer should know how to do this. I think it should be something that you have people in the department, the battalion, the shift educated on at least the bare minimum so they can know how to help somebody that calls them and says, hey, listen, I'm on the edge. And it talks about, hey, I'm sitting in the darkness. Step one, what can I do to get myself? Up? Step two, okay, sitting here playing guitar, that that didn't get me out of it. Um, can I go for a walk? Can I go to the mall? Can I go sit at a coffee shop? That doesn't work. Okay, step three. I'm gonna call a buddy. And it goes it goes down a list. And it starts with, can I pull myself out of the darkness myself? And do it in privacy. And as it goes down the line, it's okay, you know, I'm gonna call somebody. I don't have to tell them what's going on. And then the next step is, okay, I have to tell somebody's going on. And then it goes down to, listen, I have to contact a mental health professional. Like, we're in emergency mode. And it talks about making sure, do you have a plan? Okay. We're removing everything in the house that has that plan. It really is just this detailed emergency plan. But I think the coolest thing about it is it advertises self-saving and hope.
2: I was going to say, it's a very progressive plan.
1: Right? Because as firefighters, we love to fix things. When do we get... You see people losing it on calls when they can't fix something, right? We can't bust through that door. You can't get that ET tube, whatever it is. We're getting frustrated when we can't fix things and things keep sliding downhill. And if you give someone the tool to save themselves and then the permission if you cannot save yourself, reach the F out. It is okay. And you put those phone numbers in front of them. You put that detailed plan in front of them. You hand them this emergency list that they put on their fridge or in their nightstand drawer, wherever it is accessible. And it is a whole step-by-step. Here's what you're going to do when the darkness hits. And I just, why are we not talking about that more? If suicide is going to be so prevalent In our chosen profession, why are we not saying, okay, here's here's how to handle this. Here's what to do if you go through this period in your life.
2: I feel that a lot of it is, I, I want to call it personal stigma, meaning how much do I think I will be judged for it? And I will tell you. I'm probably wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I feel that if I ever come out and say something publicly that I considered it or had a plan or anything along those lines, I guarantee you, and I hope I'm wrong, but I guarantee you somehow I'm going to find myself up with day work. They're going to pull me off the floor. HR is going to be involved. One of those things. And I feel that we see our overlords is not the good word, but our organizations That we feel that they would have a reaction that is almost.
1: That you would be penalized for saying. exactly. I'm on the edge.
2: There's another person that I know who was struggling. And, you know, like showing up to work and not giving 100% when he was showing up to work type thing. Lots of swaps, lots of sick calls and everything. Turns out the battalion chief was going to move him to a different firehouse. Different battalion, different shift, different altogether. And it was infuriating, realizing that, like, what might have been this man's only support system...
1: Was about to be taken was away.
2: Was about to be taken away. This is... And we'll get to, to calls to action later on, but...
1: Instead of... did, Do you happen to know if the battalion chief sat down... And said, excuse me, Billy Bob, what are you, are you, are you going through anything? Right. Is, did that happen? That's what I would love to know.
2: I think the officer went to bat and said, listen, that is probably the worst thing that we can do to this person right now. Because it's just going to remove that one piece of stability from his life. and, And we can't have that. And it's, you posted something recently about about the humor in the firehouse, and about just joking, and pranking each other, and having fun. And while we sometimes can get carried away, we both agree that it is so important to have that extra connection, to know, hey, when I'm picking on this guy like I normally do, and he's not reacting, what's up? Like, what's going on in his life? Hey, when the medic who normally gives me a hard time for everything that I do jokingly doesn't say anything about the stupid things that come out of my mouth, why is she not saying this? Like, it's so key what we do at a firehouse that we don't think is important for mental health to take care of one another.
1: Well, one thing that is culturally accepted is humor in the firehouse, right? So let's say, Calls are affecting me. Home life is crap. I don't want to go see a therapist because of the stigma. I am allowed to laugh. There is no stigma against me laughing in the firehouse. And the problem is, and I I teach a class on this, and it's that I have to teach a class on this because this should be basic firehouse intuition. We've become a culture at least in the geographical area where I am and around me, where people have become afraid to laugh. Because what happened was we went way too far over the line.
2: Whoopsies.
1: um, As a culture with some stuff. And we somehow coupled harassment with humor. And so humor took the hit instead of separating the two. And humor was then outlawed and people became afraid of jokes and laughing instead of sitting down and getting to know the people around me. There are going to be some jokes that I don't deem to be offensive that might offend somebody else. And I can sit here and say, oh, they belong in a firehouse. Or I can make the choice of, all right. Billy Bob is offended by anything about green peppers. I'm just not going to talk about green peppers in front of him. Mm -hmm. There are times when Billy Bob will be on a call and I'll be in the kitchen. I can make the green pepper joke. But why? Listen, if it bothers him, whatever. Not going to make it when he's no harm, no foul. I'm pretty funny. I can make a host of other jokes. Go ahead. Take that one category off the table. I got plenty more to come at you with. And we don't do that. We don't say... No, humor is necessary because humor, that might be what's deescalating that one person on the edge. He's coming into the firehouse, sitting down at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee and laughing with their crew. Now, if we have a silent firehouse, we just took away the one therapy method in that person's life, that one thing that's filling them back up so they can handle the stress of Home life and calls during that struggling portion in their life. It is so important until we normalize going to a brain doctor as often as you go to a dentist or any other kind of physician. I mean, humor is our, is our frontline drug, our frontline medicine. Do not take that away because of some sort of political correctness because that's when we see mental health just go in the shitter pardon my french
2: i like how you censor some words but not others this is fun we've all worked in firehouses where for one reason or another be it the officer be it the senior firefighter certain well not even certain humor just humor is not allowed like i've I've worked at places Mm -hmm. where That one person comes in and you're like, well, you know, Billy Bob is in a mood today, so we can't joke. Or if we joke, we can... Poor
1: poor Billy Bob, by the way, whoever and wherever he is.
2: Which is funny because I used to volunteer with a guy whose nickname was Billy Bob. So I think of him every time. But those places where a single personality can drag down the entire shift.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I'm asking that we all...
1: I would have just set it on air if I knew you were going to stop talking. Restart.
2: Well, no, I can do it later.
1: God, you lock up.
2: I can't do all of these things at once. You
1: aren't, you need better ADHD. You need to be a true radi- raging adhd
2: I Well, if it lowers my autism, then I'm cool with that.
1: I just sent in case he keeps this segment and i just sent tj a message saying he forgot to talk about something that he originally talked about in an outtake and now he's locked up because he can't talk and read a text message at the same time
2: oh i'm so bad i am so bad at it.
1: continue humor person humor. brings down the entire humor shift. the firehouse
2: yes this person brings down the entire shift this should be that i mean almost that that call to action and It's going to fall on deaf ears because by the the time the person ends up being this way, they are either too far along in the department and they hate life or they are too full of themselves and they feel they can do no wrong. But this goes out to those shifts who are stuck suffering under those folks. Do not let that humor die. Do not by any means let that go away because that glimmer of hope is going to help your people. In spite of how angry that person might be, in spite of how much they just want to complain about, you know, the fleet falling apart or us hiring the wrong people or so on and so forth. It's
1: that negative, Nancy.
2: It is. And and they, just like everything else that kills us, they are a cancer to the fire service.
1: They are, but I also think firefighters are such a rebellious nature that when you tell us we can't laugh, we're going to laugh even harder now. Because we are... We are line steppers. We are habitual line steppers. No, not us. Yeah.
2: Not us. No, and we already covered it. I wanted to, to touch on the role, the unofficial role of the, of the firehouse in, um. It's
1: therapy. Laughter is therapy.
2: It is. It is. There's that clip from Bob Galeon from, I think it's what, Rescue 2?
1: You mean and the one I just my... used in my video? The one you, you just used? Refer-
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... it's
1: don't uh, act like you don't know exactly what you're talking about, because I just used it on my social media. I,
2: I always forget if it's Rescue 1 or Rescue 2, but we've all watched it's Rescue gotta, 2. It's Rescue 2, because from the documentary, still writing, which is amazing. If you can find it out, I think I bought a copy on eBay. Super bootleg, but amazing. But it talks about the, the Rescue 2 firefighters, and it's a very iconic clip. Where he's like, I could be having the worst day of my life, and I show up to the firehouse kitchen, and the ball busting begins, and suddenly everything is okay. Oh, and another thing, talking about humor, because we also encountered those folks who can give it but not take it. Mm-hmm. Once you throw yourself into that fray
1: hang on tight
2: right it's a free-for-all it doesn't matter if you're a battalion chief or a probie like if you
1: start it you better be able to continue for the entire ride
2: and do not some of the best ones some of the best zingers have been probies that come up with that like that one-liner that knocks down the 20-year guy and you're like okay that was
1: that was amazing
2: that was incredible
1: no it's it's the it's the three-pointer from across the court because it's like <gasps> This is the first time we're seeing this. This is amazing. Watching the little baby grow up and make their first joke kind of thing.
2: So we are our own first line of defense. And when, when we have to keep being that way. We ultimately, we're all that we have at the end of the day. Nobody else can relate to the calls that we go on. Nobody else can deal with the stuff that that we do. Nobody else is going to understand. Look, I've been around what I call normies and... <laughs> you know, trying to go to a social event surrounded by people who work in offices or in schools. And they're like, oh, you know, little Johnny did this It's cool." Or like, you know, Karen at accounting said a funny joke. And you're thinking, I'm like, I, yeah, almost got hit by three cars on that wreck that we had last night. And then we had a cardiac arrest. And then we made some funny jokes at the kitchen table before running a fire. Like, it is impossible to relate to these normies, which is fine because we still have each other. We still have to, we have to keep fostering those relationships and those, those abilities to communicate with each other and and take care of one another.
1: The next class I develop will be how to talk to normal people. To
2: you have to call it normies though.
1: Normies. How to talk to normies. How to survive an event at your children's school with non-firefighters.
2: Now, is this the point where I read the quote again?
1: (laughs) Go for it. We got way off topic. (laughs) ADHD is anonymous.
2: Yeah, we got to bring Stack along.
1: He's he's the president of that club.
2: He just doesn't know it yet. He forgot about it and opened up a couple more projects.
1: Because it was out of sight, out of mind.
2: Yeah, no doubt. So this is from your article that you published in Fire Engineering in June of 2023, titled, Firefighter Suicide, Don't Normalize It. And it is such a jarring paragraph. And that's exactly what we do with the painful reality of suicides. It becomes a natural form of death for us. We eventually place it on the same shelf as passing away from a heart attack or a stroke. It's a simple way to take the heartbreak out of it. We normalize it, and we accidentally become one step more comfortable with it. Chances are we've all lost someone in our department to it. That's a pointed way to close this out. And if there's one thing that you would tell our listeners... As we move along in September, Suicide Awareness Month, what would it be?
1: Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. I feel like that prevention word is important.
2: Ah, Fair enough. I apologize. Suicide Prevention Awareness Month.
1: What I would tell your listeners is, A, there's, there's hope. I mean, it's a battle that I swear to God, I wish I had the numbers of people who have sat on that ledge and either been pulled back by others or managed to pull themselves back that doesn't get talked about. That light that is hiding under that basket is bright and it is there and it exists and it's it's not a hopeless situation, no matter how much people feel like that. For people that aren't on that ledge, be kind. I mean, look around you and just be aware of each other's baselines, and be aware that you know what. If if somebody seems like they need somebody to talk to, F it. Even if they're annoying, be that person. Talk to that person. Let them call you. Let them blow up your phone. Obviously, if you finally get the hint that they're just a chatterbox, you can handle that later. But initially, make sure that that somebody, if they're reaching out, make sure that they're not in crisis and in danger. And if they are, help them. Um, know how to make a, a suicide safety plan. I just It's something I believe in. I wrote another article. It'll be coming out in two weeks, and I listed resources in there. But the IFF has a really good online course that you can just sign up and take for free online, and it walks you through how to create one of those and how to help somebody out with that. This is something we should not be losing 100 to 200 firefighters a year to this. And keep in mind, those are reported numbers. How many numbers go unreported because of stigma? Because family understandably wants to protect the legacy of the the family member they just lost? Departments don't want that shame put on their department. Um, But we all know, suddenly passed away and no explanation. You know, you know what it is. Keep in the back of your mind how many of these suicides people say, I just saw them this morning and they were fine and they were laughing. You don't know the battle that somebody is going through. So whenever you talk about suicide, Watch your freaking mouth. Watch how you talk about it. When you get on that call and that pervy is standing next to you and you say, what an idiot, blows brains out, deserve what he got. Or those comments we've all heard of people minimizing suicide and degrading the person who just lost their life to a battle. Do not do that. Do not put, do not continue the stigma for the next generation. Shame on you if you do change the language change how you speak about suicide infuse hope it is not freaking idiot committed suicide it's man it sucks that he couldn't hang on a little bit longer it sucks he didn't get what he needed make it the tragedy that it is don't normalize it
0: The Firestore, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Firestore makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Firestore's gift center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Firestore's goal is to get you the gear you need, when you need it, at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands, including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more.